Uh, welcome to this first session. It's actually a real honor, beyond belief, and pleasure to kick off this fucking NPR convention. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, find Stephanie Fu, she'll explain. This morning, by sharing the 2012 short docs with you and introducing you to the really interesting, talented, innovative producers who made them. By now, most of you probably know about the short docs, but on the off chance that you don't, every year or so, we team up with a non-radio partner, more on that very soon, come up with a set of rules inspired more or less by that partner. Sorry, there's audio coming out of this. Sorry. Uh, and invite anyone and everyone to follow those rules and produce a short radio story, AKA a short doc. This is our fifth round of short docs, and over the years, more than 500 little audio gems have been generated through the project, many of them by people in this room. Our goal is twofold every time. It's to give practiced, experienced producers the opportunity, the excuse to stretch a little bit beyond their usual habits in radio and audio producing, and to give people who have never even dipped their toe in the radio pool, here comes the mega water metaphor, but who are interested in testing the waters, a reason to dive in. <laughs> and we provide water wings, so to speak. Make it a little bit easier for you by giving some guidance. We give you prompts, we constrain you, we give you rules to follow. There are also incentives to encourage participation. Not fabulous cash prizes, unfortunately, but every challenge has four producers that win a trip here to the conference to share their stories in front of hundreds of discriminating radio producers who watch and listen as they play in this room. No pressure. Um, besides that, the four that are chosen, uh, we feature every single submission on our website in our audio library, the Third Coast Audio Library. And these stories go out all over the world. We present them at listening rooms in other countries. Uh, they're featured on ReSound, our weekly radio show that's now podcast all over. Uh, PRX and Public Radio Remix have been a big booster of the project, and every participant is totally free to do whatever they want with these pieces. We just always ask that they're presented in the context of this challenge, because it's really about the big, the big effort that everyone makes as much as each little piece. So there are plenty of reasons to participate. Now, to help explain this year's challenge, I have Sandy Wise here. Hello. You feel a little far away. Sorry. Um, so Sandy is uh, one of the key guys over at Every Block, which my shortcut way of describing that is it's a forum for neighborhood solidarity, more or less. Um, and we partnered with them this year. Before I explain why that seemed like such a good partnership, Sandy's going to tell you just a little bit more about this Every Block thing. Okay, first of all. Okay, good. I haven't had this many people watch me speak since my bar mitzvah. <laughs> Theme, theme. What was your bar mitzvah theme? We'll talk about that later. You really want me to say? Hollywood. It was Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there really is a story there. You should do a piece about my bar mitzvah. We could do a slideshow. In fact, we were debating, should we do a slideshow of our children? Can I just take one second to say, how many, like, there are so many radio babies in the world now. There's so much hope for our future beyond the amazing young producers in this room. I'm a little myopic. I'm one of the moms now, but I'm just so pleased to see our generations procreating and creating more training, getting, the, getting it in early. Okay. I should have made it the screensaver. Yeah. 
Continue. Please. Yeah, every block is uh, is two things. It's a neighborhood news site and it's a neighborhood community discussion board. Um, so as far as the news goes, what we do is we ingest news from as many sources as we can find that are uh, locally relevant. So news sites, business um, news sites, the city uh, data sources like business licenses, crime. Um, Yelp reviews, real estate listings, anything that can be tagged to a location. We take that all in and we slice it according to your block or neighborhood of interest. So, for example, you live on, you live on what block? I live in Albany Park. You live in Albany 600. Park. <laughs> XXX Albany Park. Uh, yeah, so if you go on the site, you type in your address, it'll tell you you live in Albany Park and here's all the news about Albany Park. Uh, at the same time, you can post to it. Uh, it's a way for neighbors to get in touch with other neighbors. We like to describe it uh, as, well, what f you would never be, well, you might be Facebook friends with your neighbors, but you're frequently not. Uh, this is a way to communicate with those people without having to be uh, Facebook friends. Um, so you can post, you can comment on other people's posts, you can comment on the news. It's a way to bring neighbors together. Great. And you want me to show the video? Yeah. Okay. Sandy so has a really comprehensive 80 second video? That's right. I just did this in my free time uh, before the session. Not, <laughs> not really. Hello, neighbor. Welcome to Every Block, the place for all your neighborhood news and talk. Getting started couldn't be easier. Just create your free account. From there, choose what you want to hear about and where you want to hear it from. Our up-to-the-minute feeds give you information down to the block level. So not only can you keep tabs on the things that interest you, but you can learn things you didn't know existed. Depending on where you live, you can check out stuff like crime reports and business reviews. Or learn about restaurant inspections and which homes have gone on the market. And because no one knows your community like you and your neighbors, the more you share, the more you'll know. Every Block Conversations let you join current discussions or start your own. Plus, our events calendar keeps you in the know about what's happening around the neighborhoods you love. Every Block can also email updates. Think of it as your own personal newspaper, only better, because when your neighborhood is in the news, the news finds you. So join in. Every Block is the place to let your voice be heard, and is the perfect setting to hear from others who care about your neighborhood as much as you. For everything you want to know, every day, sign up for your free account. Every Block, be a better neighbor. So earnest. Take that, the books. <laughs> um, so that was a reference to our last short talks challenge. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, so this is it. And we're in, um, this is the homepage. You can go in. We're in uh, 19 cities, uh, most recently. How uh, many of you live in one of these cities? I'm just curious. So this is pretty, yeah. Yeah, cool. Cool. And, and ever growing, right? You'll hit more Yeah, cities. yeah. We just, we just started in Austin and Pittsburgh and Denver like two weeks ago. Um, so if, you're in, if you live in those cities, it's especially important to sign up and get discussions started. <laughs> So um, that, I said, is very earnest, and, and there's clearly tons of this, these kinds of things. What's for sale? What are the new businesses? But what, the reason, here's the why we partnered with Every Block. Um, I had signed up to follow my neighborhood, Albany Park, and I started, so I'd get an email every day that listed the top conversations, and I started realizing, like, this is just chock full of stories. Some of them really banal, some of them totally outrageous, most of them somewhere in between. But the point was like, I was just getting a little mini collection of stories every day. Um, on that point, like, it's actually the sort of more outrageous stories that really left an impression. Uh, for instance, just 
last week I was flipping through to see if there's anything interesting and found this one. Do you own chickens? There's a lost little white speckled one prancing around Levitt and Belden, last seen dodging a group of neighbors with, I edited it a little, with the bags, towels, and nets. So already you've got visuals, you can hear it, right? I mean, these are perfect little tiny radio snapshots. Um, so what? What'd you say? Oh. <laughs> yeah, so the, clearly, clearly, it can, it can go on and on. In fact, maybe we should just... Um, so but I was thinking that... <laughs> Sandy was saying, oh yeah, the chicken stories really generate a lot of feedback. And then I was like, well, statistically, how likely is someone that raises chickens in a big city to like post to an online forum discussion? Probably pretty high, right? Have you, have you crunched those numbers? What's the, what's, what's the statistic you're Well, it's for? like more, more common for someone who raises chickens, they're probably gonna Oh yeah, go yeah, online. yeah, we have, we're really popular in the chicken coop yeah. uh, subculture. <laughs> but so I was thinking there must be some like sort of other classic stories that sure. have come out that you guys talk about it. The water cooler? The water cooler at we, every we block We have a water cooler, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so what's popular on every block? Lost pets, lost chickens, uh, loud noises, um, smashed cars. So this is a really fun thread. I mean, it's tragic, but the poster started off with a really good attitude, so it made for a good thread. Uh, she had her, I don't know if it's going to work because we're not on, I don't think we're online, any, online anymore, but... Um, so I can't enlarge these pictures. But what happened was her car was parked on, I think, Humboldt Avenue, and uh, it got smashed by a big trailer that was being carried over the, I don't know why, but over her car. And, uh, and she, she came on every block and she said, listen, I, I need more pictures of it actually on top of my car before they pulled it away. And, and people came through. Uh, I'm not gonna read, let you read through everything, but you can, you can Google it. Anyway, she, they, uh, she found some neighbors who had taken photos and they sent it to her. But what was funny is that she had a game of scattergories in her car and it got ejected as it got smashed. And so what people would do as they walked by is spell out, you are squished. <laughs> Hard hat area. I don't think it's gonna work. Yeah, sorry, I can't bring them up. Anyway, um, so there's that one. Um, this, we had this flasher. Um, reported on every block and it and then through the collaboration of neighbors they ended up determining who he was and catching him and uh reporting him to the police it was a success story but uh yeah so those are some some good ones so case in point this is about storytelling there was a great connection to make with the short talks challenge we all have neighbors we all exist somewhere and and we um decided to just play with that idea of exist, coexisting and being around the people around you and the stories you might find there. So a few months before my light bulb short docs every block third coast moment, I had met Sandy at a conference and we had just almost like before saying hello immediately fallen into a conversation about Radiolab. So I thought like, well, he'll probably understand why this is such a great partnership and he'll like agree to do a lot of extra work in his free time to help this come about. So um, why did you accept this invitation, Sandy? Um, just, just for the record, I, I used company time to spend to, ah, to work on this. Thank you, everybody. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so we like stories. You know, we like stories at every block, and we also know that a little communication between neighbors is often all it takes to affect positive change. Um, I like radio. I mean, I'm a big fan of of, of radio and Julie and. Uh, and so it was, a, it was a good opportunity. I mean, I thought it was going to be a, a fun opportunity for me, and it was the, the whole time. You know, in some ways, every block 
mirrors the short doc experience where you have amateur uh, producers creating radio in, on every block you've got people who are not reporters reporting the news in, in some sense it's like amateur reporting um, and besides who doesn't have a story about their neighbors uh, that they'd like to hear told on nationally broadcasted radio and also like Ira said last night I, I had that exact thought uh, when I or I do have that exact thought when I listen to radio I think oh yeah that doesn't sound that hard but I ended up, I, I, I did not actually make a story this I year, unfortunately. I know, and I, I had ideas. Is that good enough? Oh, yeah. oh, okay. So actually, we did coordinate or collaborate quite a lot with every block to come up with this year's rules, which we'll just go through real quickly, because when you hear the stories, it's really fun to sort of find the rules in the stories. Um, as it is for All Short Docs Challenge, we invited stories to last up to three minutes. Uh, the most every blocky rule was that your story had to feature at least two neighbors. And we said feature broadly. They could be talked about, they could be interviewed, they could be in it, they could pass through. Feature, feature in the broadest sense. Um, I've been wanting to just throw this rule into it for years. There had to be a color in the title. And I'm gonna let Sandy describe the last rule because it was actually my, our favorite and uh, I thought it was really brilliant and it was his idea. Right, so I actually just was, Julie asked me to come up with some rule ideas. Um, and I was just spitballing. I was actually trying to come up with the most esoteric, obnoxious rules I could think of, uh, which is not hard for me. And um, I actually have the list. I found the list that I emailed you. So I'm gonna, um, oh, they, they know the, right. So the third rule was you have to uh, include three seconds of silence. And then we kind of adopted that into three seconds of narrative silence. Right. By which we meant silence that helped tell the story. Right, so, um, so that was one of six options. Here are the six options really briefly. It must be titled after a Beatles song. It must use the word capillary. What is that? I don't know. Three consecutive seconds of silence. I said consecutive. Did we say that in the final rules? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you must interview an animal. <laughs> Have you ever done that? No. I mean, not people who act like animals. Oh, have we ever done that? Before? No. Um, must feature a sound that repeats every 30 seconds. Must terminate in a rhyming couplet. <laughs> so stay tuned. Maybe down the road we'll revisit some of Sandy's oh, ideas. Sure. Um, no, I really love the silence rule because, you know, in the past we've said, like, you have to include this sound or you have to download an MP3 and put it in. And this was just, like, turning that on its head completely. And we were so curious to see how people would use the silence. And it turned out they used it beautifully. It was, like, mm -hmm. the most beautiful collection of silence you've ever heard. So we'll hear some of those uh, very soon. Um, I should also mention at this point that we joined forces with SoundCloud this year. And thanks to them, we used this... Uh, great technology where people could actually upload their submissions themselves, which was a huge improvement over send your MP3 to our Gmail account from two years ago. So thanks to SoundCloud for that. And also, uh, while I'm throwing around some gratitude, Jocelyn Pierce, I believe, is in this corner, um, who is the official Third Coast blogger, by the way. So you should follow the blog. It's all Jocelyn's doing. Queen of animated GIFs. I dare anyone to challenge that, and Pigeon Trivia Finder Extraordinaire, and was instrumental in helping pull all this information from SoundCloud onto our website, so thanks to Jocelyn for that. Um, what color do you think was the most popular for titles, by the way? What? Well, for, um, yeah, that's right. So it was actually blue. 
Uh, we had 34 submissions with blue in the title. And besides the four at the top, you'll see that Jocelyn, and uh, with help from Lily Bui, who was a great resound intern this summer, arranged everything in rainbow splendor. So this is all 180 of them by color. See all that blue? Blue, blue, blue. Um, down through white and black. And then there were some colors we didn't quite know what to do with, including one of the winners. Um, but, you know, people pushed the envelope all the way. And we encouraged these rules to be interpreted broadly and interestingly, so we love that. So this is to say you can hear all of these on our website, and I hope you'll go back and listen to some um, in, at your leisure time. There were dozens and dozens of submissions that we loved, but alas, we could only choose four, or else this would be a very, very long opening session. Um, we were looking for compelling story choices, a variety of styles and approaches, creativity, originality, interesting characters, great use of sound, great use of silence, and of course, discernible or at least interesting interpretations of the rules. All right, I think it's time. Let's jump in and meet these year, first this year's Short Docs producers. I'm gonna bring them up one at a time. We're gonna talk to them, hear the piece, talk to them a little bit more. Uh, we're gonna start with Adam Campy. Come on up. Adam? Go on. Oh. oh, yeah, maybe, well. Do, 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 do. No any good jokes, Sandy? Uh, I do. I'm not going to tell them here. <laughs> okay, thanks. So, Adam lives in DC, currently works for the NEA, and uh, are you actually producing audio all day long? Tell us a little bit about your background. Please. Sure. Uh, good morning. Um, yeah, I'm kind of doing a mixed bag of stuff, uh, all things media at this point. So, it's primarily audio and uh, a blog for a couple different blogs. So, I do a lot of admin work as well. It's a bureaucratic federal, I mean, it's the arts, but um, so I license a lot of music. That's primarily what I do. So you're uh, pretty familiar with the audio editing and you've made some short docs in the past. And yeah, yeah, I submitted one last year. That was my first um, contribution to the short doc okay. challenge. And yeah, I've been editing off and on for about six years or so. Um, I know there are several SALT alums in the room and professors. Um, so yeah, I, I went to SALT in Ma Portland, Maine uh, about seven years ago. Great. So. And is there anything you want everyone to know before we hear the piece, or should we just go and listen? No. Just shut your eyes and listen. Okay. So, one block from Adam Campy's apartment sits the Capitol Pool Checkers Club, where, each week, men with nicknames like The Hammer, The Pressure Man, and The Razor gathered a trash talk over heated games of checkers. I want some respect now. I'm taking some of this back over here, boy. I'm going this way. I am Tal Roberts. I'm the president of the Washington Checker Club. I'm in there. And the Checker Club has been around for many, many years. And we play checkers for entertainment. Oh, my God. Oh, look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Mm -hmm. You hear about other sports trash talking. You hear about football players. Great trash talkers. And you talk about fishermen, great trash talkers. Checker players ultimately can out talk all of those guys. <laughs> you went the wrong way that time with your fingers on the board. <laughs> okay, hold on now. Hold, hold on, on, hold on, hold on. Hold, 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 yeah, hold on. Hold on what? Hold on what? John Henry is a very crafty checker player. Very crafty checker player. He tries to use trickery to win the game. 
he is, will set a checker out there and invite you to take this checker. And if you take the checker, then he has, he has a series of moves that he can take and then wipe you out. Well, hold it. Hold it nothing. <laughs> hold it nothing. Oh, Susie. But my counter to that is that I tried to play a very defensive game and put him in a bad position whereby his checkers are defenseless. Reason I, I'm called a razor, I use dexterity and I try to be as skilled on the checkerboard as a surgeon. And a surgeon is a person that goes in and operates. I try to use it, my skill, to take away his planning, his operation, and conquer him. Oh, no. Oh, yes, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. You got to come out of here. And then I'm, come on here. What? Yes. That's a terrible move, Tom. It's not a terrible move. Hmm? He don't come here and I'm running this way. He's coming down a piece. Come on. Get mad and angry. <laughs> I thought I'm coming back this way. He's going to try to crack. I'm going this way. Oh, yeah, you pay me some respect. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pay it to you. Yeah, all right. You're going to pay me some respect. Yeah. Crown, crown the king, man. Yeah, yeah. So I remember the first time we heard that, we were just so in love with those voices and how much your character was enjoying talking about what he does. And that also there was just this sense that like, this is, these guys just sit around all day and do this. Because like, at some point they're just continuing to play and you know, I love how it goes on in that way. And you get a real sense like, this is what they do for hours and hours and hours and hours. So I have um, a question is, what came first, the idea for the story or the short docs challenge? Uh... Good question. The idea for the story. I've been walking by this checkers club for five years. It's literally a block from my apartment. And they leave the door open at night, so you hear, you hear the clacking, clicking, clacking of the, of the checkers. And a good friend of mine lives about a block away, so I'm at least three nights a week, I think they play. I don't know if there's an actual set schedule. So forever, I've been like, I have to insert myself. I must get inside there. So this gave me the excuse to uh, boldly approach them. And I don't think I had any idea what I was talking about. And I was like, yeah, there's this radio competition, uh, microphones, and I just want to come and hang out for several hours and obnoxiously record. And uh, they were gracious enough to finally let me in. And I, the other thing is that really struck me is that sound of checkers, which like is just so iconic, right? Like you hear that and you instantly know you have pictures, you think red and black. Um, but do kids play checkers anymore? I mean, is this like an endangered sound? How, was there anyone under the age of like 70 in the checkers club? No, no. They're, I think the youngest player is 60. Um, but interestingly, I was supposed to, the main voice that you hear, his name is Talmud Roberts. Tal, AKA the Razor. Um, he's a former stockbroker and uh, he was swilling Miller High Lifes the whole night, like just whacking them back. And uh, so we've been supposed to like get together and get a couple of drinks and listen to the piece together. And uh, it just like, you know, our um, calendars haven't met or we haven't meshed, so we haven't been able to do that. And we were supposed to meet this week, but they actually teach uh, once a week to kids in different parts of the city. They rotate schools and they teach about chess and checkers because checkers is a derivative of chess. Like he gave me the whole history of checkers, which is like another hour of audio that 
maybe someday I'll That use. you're producing into an audio documentary. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I was thinking like maybe there's apps <laughs> where like when you move it, you hear the checker sound. Now, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Sandy, did you have any? Can, can I tell you my favorite part of the story is there's a, there's, a, there's a few seconds when he's talking and he says the word checker like four or five times. It's such an awesome word. I don't, I just wanted to say, like the way he says it over and over again, like it made it really, like it's got this, a lot of, uh, I don't know what's the audience term for it, just like pop to it. And, and his, his voice. I mean, yeah. the moment I approached him, he was smoking outside the, the club and I was like, you were just born to narrate or be a voiceover. I mean, it was just like, oh God, I hope he's like the president. And it turns out that he was. So. Do, you, do, you, do you consider them, not, you say they're a block away. Do you consider them now more to be your neighbors than they than before? Kind, yeah, yeah, kind of. I mean, I, I only got to know two of them pretty well, and primarily just the main voice. Um, but I, I do literally walk by almost, or bike by on a daily basis. So I see him, whenever, or at least whenever they're playing, he's often out smoking um, the razor. And uh, so yeah, we say hi, you know, he knows who I am now. He actually, um, this is pretty funny, a, couple, a week ago, he sent me a LinkedIn invitation, which was pretty amazing. Did you accept? Nice. I was like, LinkedIn in the razor, yeah. Um, last question, can you just talk about how the rules informed your process? Uh, the rules informed my process. The silence thing was clearly the most complicated. Um, and, you know, he kind of gave me a softball when he, you know, I don't know, wiped them out. And I just like, to me, like the floor had to just fall out at that moment. Um, the colors, yeah, like historically, you know, red and black, although most of their checkers were multicolored and I think they were even different materials. It wasn't like some were plastic, some were wooden, some were maybe marble, I have no idea. Um, so yeah, I just went with the classic colors and um, three minutes, I'm actually really proud. I tend to go over often or like push it to, you know, the last second and I went 30 seconds under, which I was super rare in, in restraint for for me, so. Great, well thanks so much, Adam. Thank you, Good luck. thank you. We'll hope to hear more from you soon. Next up we have John Musto, a, a local guy from uh, just south of Chicago, Pilsen. Please welcome him. So Adam works at the NEA. John uh, is a carpenter and an upholstery apprentice and a budding audio storyteller. He produced his short doc with his friend Brian Barnhart Jr., who I, I don't think is here this morning. Um, so, John, welcome to I, this like world of radio, which up until now you've only been on the receiving end of. Yeah, but I, I have been a listener for a long while. Cool. And uh, is there anything you want to tell us about the story before we jump in? Um, the story was the product of my uh, teacher having a heart attack. So I, I knew even before uh, I recognized that Third Coast was going to be the channel or the outlet that I was going to tell this guy's story. Um, I've been his apprentice for six years and he survived a heart attack and when his wife called me and told me that he had a heart attack, I, I froze up and then she said, but he's okay, you know, and I thought, well, now I have to make sure that I explain who Don Floyd is to as many people as I can. Awesome. So uh, when, we, when I said we were keeping an ear out for colorful characters, Don Floyd looks back on his life of 80 years after, after surviving a heart attack in March of 2012. My name is Don Floyd, and I ought to be deader in hell. I've been shot 
stabbed, had scarlet fever, a Korean War veteran, had a million cuts on my hand from my upholster, had prostate cancer, broke my back at 78, and it's not over yet. I'll tell you one thing, I've never been afraid of anything in my life. I've had a lot of obstacles. I had scarlet fever when I was seven years old. My poor brother Stan, I used to beat him up every day. One day, he got tired of it and he stabbed me in the back with a knife. When I was 11 years old, old man Spute had an apple orchard and I wanted them apples. So I climbed up the top of his tree and was picking some apples and he snuck under me with a shotgun, shot me in the ass with rock salt. I married my high school sweetheart. Catherine Darty Floyd, call me Kay. I got lucky there. Two months later, I was drafted. Three months later than that, I was in Korea. Man, Korea was the biggest obstacle just to stay alive. I was a forward observer. He tells the guns where to fire. I came home from Korea in one piece, and I earned the Bronze Star. Well, I worked at Caterpillar for seven years. Worked as a machinist. I worked 311. They started me out as a $1.75, and I had the world by a tail. I also went to work for Van Dorn Upholstering, and then seven years later, I bought the business. Van Dorn Upholstering. I taught upholstering at night at a college in DuPage for 27 years. Taught a lot of folks how to upholster furniture. The only reason I taught because I liked the people, I had a lot of fun. At, they put two tacks, two 14-ounce tacks right through that thumb. An upholster gets cut every day. Over 55 years, I've had over 60 stitches in my hands. Hey, Floydie. Yes, Kay. Why didn't you tell me you were having a heart attack? I had a serious heart attack. Drove myself to the hospital. And I've lost 30% of my heart. My two boys, Jeff and Scott, were born in 1956 and in 1959. Hey, Dad. Yes, Jeff. Why don't you ride in an ambulance anymore? Cost too damn much money. I have three beautiful granddaughters. Hey, Grandpa. Yes, Erica. What happened when I loaned you my car? Ride it into a cornfield and it caught on fire and it was total. Crashed and burned. Hey, Don. What's it all about? Hell if I know. I believe in hard work. I just took life as it came. But kicked the hell out of me, I kicked back. <laughs> so thank you for introducing us to Don Floyd. Um, really memorable. He's such a poetic speaker, and it's so sincere. And I wonder if uh, one of your biggest challenges with the rules was keeping this to three minutes, because clearly he has a lot of stories to tell. No, yeah, it, it, that was the biggest challenge. And there's so many parts that we recorded that I was remiss to let go, but. Yeah. Well, that's your first uh, real delving into the radio world is, you know, editing down to just what you need, so, so very good. I love when he says, um, I don't know what stuck with you the most, but when he says, had the world by the tail, like that's just stuck with me so much. That phrase has come back to me time and time again this summer. It's such a beautiful, just casual use of language. It's so powerful that communicates so much. Um, can you, uh, well, Sandy, did you want to jump in? Am I mistaken that you switch between channels? 
I'd recorded many, many times. I mean, I, especially that first part where it's, hi, I'm Don Floyd, and uh, I've been shot and stabbed, and he, he's not a very clear speaker, so I'm, I must have tried that five or six times, maybe more, before I got it properly. Did you plan from the beginning for it to be like a series of short facts, the way he's telling it? Yeah, I, I was going to tell the narrative arc like of his life, um, but I thought there was going to be a lot more. T I thought there was going to be a lot more time, and there just wasn't. You know, there, I had him talking about his parents and his, you know, earliest memories, and I was doing this for his family to have that um, little article forever. I was, it's like my scrapbook, I guess, but it got cut down considerably. <laughs> do you have a longer version? I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I wonder. What we had never heard was the way you pulled his family in and the way he sort of pre-introduces each character and then they come and then you've organized them all to be like, hey, Don, what's it all about? And I really had never heard this technique before. Like, it was like you've, re you've invented a new way of like the order of things happening. You know, he would reference something and then you'd hear about it. It was just, it was very fluid and, and interesting in that way. So what were you, how did that idea come to draw the family in and then that, the structure, I guess. Can you talk about how your ideas about the structure? Oh, well, Don, as I said, I've been his apprentice for six years, and I've actually gone down to um, his small town in Illinois for Easter a couple of times, and I've met his entire extended family, and he is one of six uh, um, surviving brothers and sisters, and it's a, just a massive family, and he is the card, he is the, um, he is the clown, and uh, everybody has their version of their favorite Don story, or knows... Uh, couple of good anecdotes. So I just figured I'd bring everybody I, I could into this, um, not, just, not just so that they have a, a surviving record, but also sort of like, Don Floyd, this is your life. Yeah, great. Uh, and you're working on another story now? Yeah. You've, but you've gotten the bug and it's not letting go? Um, there's a bar that was moved. Uh, it was <clears throat> moved for the pave of um, the uh, expressway. I think it's uh, the Stevenson. So it was raised, the bar was, um, whole bar was brought up. It's now at the highest point in Cook County, and there's a woman who lives there and grows tomatoes. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, we will keep our ears open for that. Thanks so much for doing this, John. We expect and hope to hear a lot more from you. Uh, next up, Abby Wendell, please come forward. So I'll give you a little background as she's coming up. Abby works in Oklahoma for This Land Press, which if you haven't heard of yet, you will be hearing a lot from them coming, coming well, Abby's work for one, but I think they're an amazing new organization doing a lot of great journalism out there, so keep an ear open. Um, there she is. Hello. Hello. So how did you end up in Oklahoma? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I got fired from the Huffington Post. <laughs> and um, I wanted to basically just go into the middle of America and um, get, I had been living in New York City for like two and a half years. And I really just wanted a slower pace of life and I wanted um, a lot more time to talk with people and listen to their stories. And um, I heard about this great, uh, organization called This Land Press, which is a magazine, a television show, an iPad app, all of these wonderful things. And it wasn't radio yet. And so I kind of said, um, well, why not? Let's figure out how we can make that happen. Oh, so you planted that seed. 
Well, it was kind of there, but it, it didn't have any form. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, anything you want to say before we play your short doc? Um, if you haven't ever been to Oklahoma, you should come and visit us. <laughs> Great. Okay. So, uh, neighbors of the Murrah Federal Building recall the 1995 bombing that altered the life and culture of Oklahoma City. Here's Glass Not Glitter by Abby. It was a Wednesday morning, I believe. It was clear. I was at Cracker Barrel, four miles, maybe five. I was in Shawnee, probably about 30 miles. Outside of downtown. And I was at my office downtown. Just kind of visiting. Just an average April day. And uh, I heard. What was that? We all ran to look out the windows. And I remember looking out and thinking, why is all the glitter on the streets? but it wasn't glitter, was glass. A lot of people were talking in the hallway. You think natural gas explosion? Artillery round People starting to run up the street. I had been the sirens. Something on fire. And then the TV coverage of what had happened. Downtown Oklahoma City is in flames and smoke. We have emergency workers walking around scratching Emergency alert was put out through the department for every officer to come in. We got a call that the Murrah building had been blown up. Everywhere you looked, there was uh, human parts that had been destroyed in the bombing. We found a lot of people that were still alive, and we did what we had to do to get them out. The sad thing is, on the way in to find those that are still alive, you bypass a lot of folks that are not still alive. Um, it's, you know, it's just, uh, just a hard thing. Whenever I finally got to go home, my wife was watching all this on the news and I sat down on the couch and she came over and she just rubbed my back and at that point right there is when you know you start crying as the months went by and the coverage began to die away and you know they brought the building down it um, returned to a somewhat better pace you know you never really get over it So I remember when I heard this the first time I had headphones on and I got a tiny bit of the shiver today when the explosion happened that I got an enormous shiver. I, I reacted physically to that and uh, throughout the whole piece just the sound design is so careful and exquisite and, and intentional and respectful and I just would love for you to talk a little bit about that and I'll say it, it was the explosion and then that scoring of the back rub, I feel like I've never heard a 
feel like I was getting a background. It was like the, the perfect audio metaphor for getting it. It was perfect, so congratulations on that. But yeah, can you talk about how you, Thank you. thought about the sound design? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like inside of that piece for quite a while. I, um, the, my editor gave me the idea to go uh, to Oklahoma City. Um, this land's based in Tulsa. Um, and to just kind of walk around and approach people and ask them 17 years later um, to kind of recount the, that day um, and mainly focus on like what they heard that day. And when I got there, I realized like you can't just ask that question. Um, it's such a big story in their, their lives that they, you bring, bring it up and people either don't want to talk about it at all. So there's a lot of silent opportunities in, in this kind of story, or um, they want to tell you everything. And, you know, I kind of carried that weight around with me. And, um, you know, so when I was editing, I, I just felt very responsible. Um, and uh, I don't, we're a for-profit organization, which makes it really difficult to have music, to be able to get music rights. And I, I definitely want to say thank you to the Free Music Archives, um, because they're wonderful. Um, and I think that that piano piece comes from, from oh. them. Um, but then I also had to like build a bomb. Like, how the hell do you build a bomb, you know? Like, um, and I, I remember, I, I think, you know, there might be like 18 tracks for that bomb. And I have no idea. I couldn't tell you what's in there. I think there's one track that might be like bomb, you know? There's like, there might be like a thundercrack or, you know. Um, and it was really just about like experimenting and experimenting and experimenting until it felt like I remember one time I, I was editing and um, somebody was talking to me. So I, you know, lifted my one headphone up and I was listening and then the bomb went off. And I just like, you know, like, and I was like, okay. Okay, I think I'm there. I think I think that's it. Good sign. Yeah. Um, Sandy? Uh, talk about the, uh, the the neighbor aspect. Uh, were the were the people that you interviewed, the people featured in the story, very close to the Mara building? Are they close enough to have felt it? How in distance? How close are they together? It's a great question. I mean, um, they. I, I went directly like downtown Oklahoma City, you know, with a couple of block radius. But to be honest with you, I, I, I could have, like miles could have been neighbors because the shock was felt and heard. I, I don't remember the specifics, but I know, and I don't know, I wasn't there, so, but at like 60 miles people talked about something happened, you know? Um, so, but mainly it was people who were right around there at that time, which was an interesting process because um, because of the bombing, there's like most of the buildings in Oklahoma City have security gates. And like, if you don't have a tag or a reason to be going in there, um, what are you doing, you know? And um, at the same time, it's been 17 years, so there's been a lot of turnover in the city, and a lot of people were so 
affected by the bombing that they retired or moved or, you know, they're not there anymore. Um, and so, you know, the city is definitely transitioning. Um, so, but you, I would have to, like, really talk my way in, um, which I'm not from Oklahoma, so that, that kind of brought a different neighbor aspect to the story because um, I, felt, I felt like it was my duty to ask that question, to ask about that moment in, in their history so that I could understand better where I had chosen to live. Uh, lastly, let's talk about your color choice. Uh, so who in this room agrees that glitter is a color? Well, the internet has something to say to all of you disbelievers, right? Abby inquired, like, you know, we're, we're having this debate in our, in, with my colleagues, and they don't think glitter is a color, but I have found this sentence on the internet that states glitter is a color. I can't remember the exact context, but it did. So we said hats off to you for loosely interpreting the rules, and go for it. So Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much, Abby. Um, quickly, before we play the last one, and I'm guessing Johanna's already asked them to turn off the AC, so if you're shivering, hopefully it won't be for much longer. Um, I just wanted to like just do a run-on list of the countries that we got short talks from, because it just never, it, it just continues to amaze me. Belgium, Brazil, Burundi, Canada, Costa Rica, Denmark, Egypt, France, Greece, India, Ireland, Japan, New Zealand, Netherlands, Romania, Rwanda, South Africa, Spain, Sweden, UK, US. Okay. Um, all right, so let's bring up Luke Eldridge. Uh, you had a little taste of Luke's short talk last night if you were at the IRA event. Uh, joined us from London, so he came quite a far way. And uh, Luke also is not yet of the radio world. He works in a bank um, during the week, and he listens to a lot of radio, as Ira said. Dramatic pause. <laughs> Here he comes. Banking, everyone just <laughs> dropped <silent>. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, no, we're it wasn't very, me. It's a very welcoming crowd, no matter what you do, if you're not a radio producer. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, congratulations. You made a really beautiful story. Um, I think really knocked it out of your, the park for your first time, which, of course, is highly challenging for your next story because everyone's going to expect great things from you. But uh, <laughs> no pressure. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, the genesis for deciding to make this story and what your background is and like what interested you about trying to pull this together for this particular reason. Yeah, um, so as Ira mentioned yesterday, I've spent a long time uh, listening to, to podcasts and, and to radio in the UK and I've always been very, very inspired by what I've heard but I've never really had the opportunity uh, or the excuse, I suppose, to, uh, to do it myself. And so hearing about the Short Docs Challenge was uh, an excuse for me to give it a go uh, with no experience, no uh, equipment other than what you get in a Mac out of the box. Um, I just wanted to, to give it a go. And uh, so I said to my wife, can I buy a microphone so that I can <laughs> make this sound you know, reasonable at least? And she said, no. <laughs> didn't, but it didn't stop you. It didn't stop me, no. Well, we'll talk about actually how you made it after we hear the piece. 
Um, here are the faces of the red, white, and blue bus whose lives Luke will never know. The X7 bus takes the route from Leicester to Northampton, first along the A6 dual carriageway, and then where I get on, the A508, that winds through the gentle hills of the county. The doors swing open, I show my annual pass, and take a seat amongst the familiar faces. Those familiar faces. There is the gamer. His game of choice is Angry Birds, a game unfamiliar to me, but one that I've established involves catapulting an animated bird at a pile of blocks with the objective of destroying them. Being coerced into doing this is, presumably, what makes the bird angry. The gamer plays Angry Birds the entire time I'm on the bus with him two hours a day. He travels further than me, so maybe it's more. But by my reckoning, he catapults that poor bird 3,600 times every week, yet never seems to get bored of it. There is Bluebag, who every day commits that most despised of acts by us bus users, taking up a spare seat with her luggage. Sure, we'd all love a seat for our luggage, but when demand outstrips supply, we all have to take a little less. That's bus economics. There is the retired mod, with his narrow jeans and Paul Weller haircut, who smiles at everybody. He may have discarded his antagonism, but he's kept his image. And the cast runs to many more. The Southeast Asian porters, clean and crisp in their uniforms, the alternative college girls with their asymmetric haircuts, and the mature student who reads Greek mythology. And like all great cultures, we have established and determined our social norms. Most notably, in these 10 hours each week we spend together, we do not talk. There is, of course, so much to talk about. For our children have started to walk, our aunties are emigrating, our brothers have got promotions, and our cats need to go to the vets. And us? We've started new diets, just bought iPad 3s, had our hair cut, and had a bad night's sleep. But we don't talk about these things, for we say nothing. And that is what we've agreed. So I love how you've actually hit on a quite a profound idea about humanity in this little three minute piece and the social contracts we make when we're in familiar places, unfamiliar places, people around us. Um, can you just talk a little bit about the kernel of that idea, like how the idea grew from your own experience, and is that what you were trying, am I, over, am I misreading, am I over-interpreting, or is that sort of what you wanted to say with the, with the story? It, it was, yeah. I guess I was trying to, uh, to replicate the, the 10 hours that I have to spend in three minutes, so you don't have to spend 10 hours to, to get that. Um, and 
it's an observation that I have had for a long time sitting there amongst these, these people. Um, and, you know, I guess it is kind of a, a neighborly thing. These people who are around you, um, and 10 hours is more time than I spend with most of members of my family a week, but, but I know nothing about them. Um, and so I do what probably most of us do, which is you kind of create these identities for people, which, uh, which might be true, might not be. Um, but that's kind of the, the lasting image that you have of them. Uh, first, I just want to say this was my favorite interpretation of neighbors. It's literally true, yet they uh, are not at all being neighborly, um, which I loved. Uh, I have a couple, I have a few questions. First of all, have you had you really never heard of Angry Birds? I had uh, heard of it. I'd never seen it. Um, I didn't own a mobile phone until about six months ago, so uh, so it was new to me. I, yeah, I do now, unfortunately. So I think I mentioned iPad 3. I don't even know if there is an iPad 3 or it's a 2 or a 4. So All of the journal, all the reporters in the room are like about to fact check you on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love your use of music, especially um, how you cut it out, of course, for the silence. But you don't bring it back right away. You wait until you start talking about all the banal things that we do again. And it's like cozy and comfortable, like that back rub or... Like a hug. Anyway, um, can you talk a little bit about using Yeah, that? so with the music, I think what I was trying to do again was, was uh, recreate what I am doing when I'm, I'm sat there, which is usually headphones in, listening to music or a podcast made by one of you people. Um, and so, again, what I was trying to do there is, is recreate what I would do if I was on the bus and something occurred, you know, if there was a noise or something, um, then I take my headphones out and I turn around and hear what it is and then after a couple of seconds I'll put them back in and get going again. So I was trying to kind of make that again, make, make the whole thing uh, feel like the journey did. And with the music, I wanted something that just kind of looped over and over and over again, that kind of motion of here we are, this is 10 hours, we're doing the same thing over and over again. But it's lovely. I could listen to it for 10 hours, I think. <laughs> Um, finally, you listen to American podcasts? Yeah. Do you find our accents exotic? <laughs> do you find my accent yes. exotic? <laughs> then yes, I do. <laughs> and I'm staying here, room 628. <laughs> well, we, do, we do talk about new friendships starting at Third Coast all the time. Um, you know, something I really love about what struck me with this is your patience. I mean, I know you're also um, sort of recreating the, the, the slow ride of the bus, but when you're starting in radio, I think there's a real tendency to fit as much in and get as much done. And you just took so much time. I mean, I feel like it almost, if, in a good way, it feels longer than three minutes. You know, I feel like I'm on that bus ride for you. So, and I think this is partly like, you're, it's very internal piece. Like we're in your mind between your ears, you know, as you're thinking about all these things. And I wonder, like, when you started writing it, were there other characters that you had to cut out for time, or was this, you know, what was that process <coughs> like for you? Yeah, there were, there were lots more characters. Can you just name, give us a couple more of your neighbors on the bus? Uh, goodness. So uh, there is a, uh, there's, there's a guy that I didn't include who is, uh, 
he's just angry. He's really, really mourning, angry. Everything makes him furious. People opening the window, closing the window, moving seats, not having the right change. He's just furious at the world. And I try and look at him and smile, which is just not the thing to do on the X7 bus. That does not work. Um, so there were people like him that didn't make it in. There were people who I guess I wanted to talk a little bit more about, some of the ones who were in there, yeah. but I didn't feel I, I needed to. I thought some of them I could just describe who they are very quickly, and that's it. There's only a flash. They're on for a couple of stops, and, and then they're off again. And my last thought is you're totally complicit in this, right? Because you're not extending, you're not generating conversations, right? So I wonder, yeah. which isn't an accusation, just, you know, I, I think we all are. I mean, I have this experience all the time. Anyone who rides public transportation probably does. Um, did the making the piece uh, sort of propel you to think about actually trying to get conversations going? Or do you just sort of believe that this is how it is? And uh, Do you ride the bus differently now, I guess, after making the piece? Um. I still don't talk to these people, unfortunately. I think I, it had made me think I really should talk to them. But, tomorrow. Um, tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, the mature student, the, the guy that I referenced there, I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen to uh, ReSound or is not here. But every time I get on now, he looks at me, he gives me this really dirty look as if like, he knows you made a story about us and you didn't ask us. <laughs> You did not have my permission to do that. <laughs> There's a panel on ethics a little bit later today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, we're running out of time, so I just want you to very quickly describe how you actually made it without a microphone. I know, I, I hear you had a couple interesting tools. Yeah, um, so as I said at the start, just what you get uh, out of the box um, with a Mac. So I didn't have a microphone, I could only use the built-in uh, microphone at uh, which they put right on the top of the on the top of the monitor and I tried recording this a few times and it just sounded awful obviously because it's a built-in microphone uh, and so I ended up having to kind of get get on my chair and kind of over the top of the microphone like this with a um, with a homemade pop filter like an embroidery ring and a pair of tights over it <laughs> hovering over like this and then kind of pressing play and then getting back up like that uh, so, it was as amateur as amateur can, can be, yeah. but hopefully it worked. That turned out pretty well. Thank you so much, Luke. Thank you. So, thanks to our four short doxers, which is a noun I just created, and everyone who submitted this year, I know there are more of you in the room, um, we'll be announcing next year's Short Docs Challenge in early 2013. Um, I hope all of you will consider submitting and a sneak preview top secret code of silence glimpse at that is Friendier, yeah, that's a new term that I learned this year. Um, I think we're gonna do food stories. And I don't know how yet. If you have any connections to interesting food people, please see me sometime this weekend. Um, and we may not, but that's what that's where we're leaning toward. Uh, meanwhile, you can hear all of the submissions on the website uh, and, and short docs from previous years, as I mentioned. Before we go, quickly, Sandy isn't just a story-loving neighborhood-supporting web designer. In certain circles, he's known as the puzzler. Uh, kind of? Yeah. Come on, come on, it's funny. Yeah. You may have heard his puzzles on Weekend Edition, actually, just last weekend, Will Shorts thanked Sandy for the puzzle of the week. Um, 
So he agreed to write a few radio-centric puzzles for us. Just for us. These are never before tested in front of a live audience. Uh, we'll have two warm-ups and give away a few Pidgey shirts. And we're going to do this if you, when you see the puzzle, we'll do a, a practice one. Shoot your hand up, first hand up. We'll call on you. You blurt out the answer. You get a Pidgey t-shirt at, at the register, at yeah. the merch table. Yes, please do not, <clears throat> please do not shout it out before we call on you or else we're not going to be able to figure it out um, who said it first. Okay. All right, so we've got five. The first one's practice, just to give you an understanding of what's going on here. But feel free to shout this one out. These are all radio programs, I think all currently on the air somewhere. And some produced by people in this very yeah. room. Hint. Okay, here we go. Scream it out. There you go. So that's Radio Lab. <laughs> Get it? Lab, radio, antenna. Okay. Now you're, that you're in the right mindset. <clears throat> this first one, uh, we actually have a few, or two, two gorgeous, every block reusable grocery bags. Ooh. Some people in this room have them, I know. And I use them regularly. So anyway, these are yours. Raise your hand if you know what radio program on NPR is this. You have to know who she is. Okay, yes. Yeah, yes. Uh, stand up. Yes, you. It is Talk of Carrie Nation. Can you explain this one for people yes, who don't Carrie know? Yes, Carrie Nation. Who does not know who that is? She, okay. She was, a, uh, she was in the temperance movement in the 20s. She was a prohibitionist. Uh, there was a, actually a huge, the Women's Christian Temperance Union actually was founded in Evanston, right near where we are right now. Anyway, so her name is Carrie Nation. And she's talking. That's actually something she said. So she's talk of the nation. Okay, now the next three will each get uh, a Pidgey shirt from uh, Third Coast. Are you ready? Raise your hand if you, if you know which program is this. Who said that? I did. Without raising her hand. It is. But it is. It yeah. is. The 99% in this it sign is, is invisible. Good job. Ah. <laughs> Who said that? That's the right answer. Okay, you ready? Raise your hand if you know this one. I don't see any hands yet. I guess guesses are allowed. Okay, woman in green. It's Bullseye. It's Michael Jordan, he's a bull. Yeah, they're the groans. That's what I, what I live for. I've threatened to get a tattoo of the last one. Of the next one? Yeah, okay, so the next one is the Julie's favorite. One. Raise your hand if you know which program is this. Raise your hand. Yes, in white. Yes. Say it again. It's wiretap. Yes. Omar, tap dancing. <laughs> okay. Oh. I'm gonna go home now. <laughs> Thanks, Sandy. Thanks, everyone. You've got a good chunk of time to get over to campus. So make your way there. There's a coffee over there, I believe, to entice you to walk faster. And we'll pick up over there. Thanks again for, uh, for being here.